We are just days away from the two-year mark when billionaire Barry Sherman and his wife, Honey, were found murdered in their basement in uh, the room that had their indoor swimming pool. And uh, our next guest has been following this story very closely. In fact, uh, he has been the chief investigative reporter for the Toronto Star right throughout this case. Kevin Donovan joins us right now. The case is still open and under investigation, Kevin, but you've got some new pieces of information in the ongoing Sherman murder investigation to share. Um, let's start off with the particulars of the house itself and uh, what, you know, the house revealed. Yeah, a couple of things uh, of interest. One, uh, your listeners may recall that their bodies were discovered in a what appeared to be a staged or posed manner. They were seated uh, in, in the pool room. And uh, I, I got a hold of some of the photos taken of the house just before the murders because the house was for sale and there's one photo that shows uh something very eerie it's a life-size uh human-shaped uh sculpture male and female both in a seated position the male's leg is crossed over uh his legs are crossed uh, and that's how barry was uh found as well uh, the other thing is you may recall that the police said that there was no sign of forced entry. That was one of the, the big things they said uh, that very first night the bodies were found. Well, in fact, there was an open window in the house, so I don't know if it was forced or not, but the window was often left open because there was some musty paint or smell uh, because of some renovations they were doing. Uh, and there's also a door uh, near the, the crime scene that was unlocked uh, and easy to, to open from the outside. Uh, the other thing is that I've been able to pinpoint uh, from interviewing people who were at the scene where Barry was most likely attacked, and that is just outside of his underground garage in a hallway on the way to the pool. And that's I can, I'm pretty sure about that because that's where some papers of his that he had brought home from the office and his gloves were seated on the floor. And the final thing is that Honey's... Uh, uh, phone was discovered on the vanity in a powder room that she never used. Her girlfriends uh, spoken to a lot of them say she never used that front room. She always used the one near the door. She came in uh, every day. And uh, so this, my speculation is that that's where she was attacked. So, so Kevin, based on these personal items uh, and placement of them in unusual places, like you wouldn't come into your house with some work files, drop them on the floor along with your gloves and keep going. Uh, you're basing this on the fact that you think that he was attacked down there and the element of surprise was a biggie. Yeah, I think so. And, and Barry didn't use this underground garage very much. Uh, I spoke to somebody yesterday who uh, did some uh, physical therapy uh, for the Shermans, uh, and this person said, you know, just, just never, he never parked down there. So he did that particular day. But they were going to Florida, weren't they? No, no, they were, they, the following week they were going to Florida. No, they, they okay. came home on that Wednesday uh, from a, uh, a meeting that they had had about their new house. They came home uh, separately, Honey first, then, then Barry a little while later. No, the following, that's a Wednesday, the following Sunday, they had uh, tons of plans with, with uh, Barry's best friend who was coming to town from New York. Uh, there was a Hanukkah brunch they were going to go to. Uh, they were going to see on the Friday uh, their, their new granddaughter uh, who had just been born, uh, and they were going to do a Hanukkah dinner. So, no, they, they were not going. I've heard people think they were going to Florida, but they weren't. 
Right. Okay. Because I I had heard that, uh, you know, her friends thought she was in Florida at that time, but I realized that she wasn't. Now, there's a a potential disruption of evidence by a house cleaner that you've mentioned as well. Continued working post-discovery of the bodies. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so the, on the Friday, the bodies are discovered uh, uh, in the, the late morning, and then police and paramedics arrive at the scene by about 11.45 a.m. The, the divisional police that came, as I think we all know, that there was a misinterpretation of the scene, and they, they thought it was a murder-suicide. There were three people in the house that time. There was uh, the Sherman's realtor. Uh, there was a woman who waters the plants uh, for the Sherman's that particular day, and a housekeeper. And they they were all told by the police, uh, you know, you go to this room and don't talk to anybody. You go to this room and this room. Well, the housekeeper was discovered eventually by a, a, a junior officer to be mopping the floor. And my understanding is that's the area. Um, it could have been the area where Honey would have passed through to get to this powder room where her phone was found. And so eventually the officer told the, the housekeeper to stop. They, they, I don't think the police made appropriate uh, preparations when they arrived at the scene, and they should have been you know, perhaps even taking the people to a, to a station right away. And, and Who leaves people in the house? I mean, well, that's the, like, I mean, we all watch these cop shows. They're very popular. It's like you would have to clear the scene as quickly as possible, get people in those, you know, uh, paper suits. And and make sure that it, the scene is completely on lockdown. Yeah, and, and I, I think that didn't happen because this uh, mistaken belief uh, out of the gate that it was a murder suicide. So it was a, it was a domestic uh, incident, a terrible, tragic one, but a domestic incident. And so that's why I think uh, the you know the homicide squad did not arrive until much later that day. Kevin, let's talk about the the staging of the bodies because you know we've heard that they were you know hanging with belts from the uh, the uh, railing near the pool, and uh, now we're finding out more about the staging of bodies. It, it was mirroring these creepy life size life size statues that they had uh, acquired. They used to be actually at the Eaton Center, and um, the first thing I thought was, boy, that that sounds really. If you're going to pose them like statues, that could be somebody close to the family that you'd be looking at. But uh, you say these were in photos for a real estate listing. So what does that leave you thinking? Well, I mean, people uh, certainly would have seen them. I, I never saw them. I wasn't involved until several weeks after this happened. So I never saw these photos until until recently. And as far as I know, they've never been published anywhere. But it, my a clear understanding of how the bodies were positioned. They are they were seated uh, with their backs to the pool, uh, but they were tipped back, so not at a ninety degree angle, but tipped back a little bit. Uh, probably, I'm sorry, like, it's probably because of the the rigor mortis had sure. uh, had left the bodies, and and so they were sagging, if you will. But the belts uh, around the neck stopped them from going into the pool. Uh, when I saw Kelly, when I saw these uh, photos. Uh, uh, about a week ago, I uh, I really felt a, a sort of chill in my heart because there's some really strong similarities between them, and they were just uh, uh, in the other in another part of the garage. Uh, very unusual, and and the, the real thing for me that the thing that really struck me was how how the the male sculpture's legs were crossed, and so was Barry's. So what what are you uh, left with? Because obviously the police have had this information for quite a while. Uh, do you think that they are uh, any closer to finding the killers? 
Well, they have said as part of a court process that I've been doing on behalf of the Toronto Star, uh, we're trying to unseal some some search warrant documents. They said as recently as October that they are cautiously optimistic that they're getting closer. Uh, they have said on the record they have a theory of the case. Uh, they've used the words, we have an idea of what happened. They won't say if they have a suspect. I think that they are, are getting closer, and uh, I was expecting uh, something before the end of the year. Uh, but uh, I asked them yesterday, and they, there's no plans for any sort of a, a press conference, which is, I think, how they'll do it. I think they will alert uh, the media. Well, you have to feel for the uh, family and friends of the Shermans that are still left, uh, you know, two years later without answers uh, and uh, a suspect in this murder investigation. Thank you very much, Kevin. Uh, We'll check in with you as you get more information. And I know that you will because you always do. Thanks, Kelly, for having me on. Cheers. Have a great day. Kevin Donovan's uh, piece right now, it's, it's quite extensive. You can read about it in the Toronto Star. He's their chief investigative reporter for the newspaper. It's Global News Radio 640 Toronto.